From New York City, the world famous Comedy Cellar presents Live from America Podcast. With Noam Dorman and Hatem Gabber, live from America Podcast, where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation get together weekly to discuss today's issues as they cover news, culture, politics, comedy, and more with an equal part of knowledge and comedy. And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Dorman. Hello and welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem alongside me, my good friend Norm Dorman, Woo-hoo! owner of the Comedy Cellar, and he's busy with the Louis C.K. tickets. Hi, Norm. Hi, hello, hello. Now I'm trying to I'm trying to um watch the uh, Louis C.K. from yesterday. So Louis C.K. had a um, uh, live streamed uh, performance from Medicine Square Garden, uh, and uh, it was awesome from what I hear. Um, our friend Boris Heiken is here and he's starting a new podcast soon. Hello, hello. We're just talking about it. We can promote it at the end. And Kate Herman, comedian, very funny. Welcome back. Long time no see. I know. Hello. And our guest of honor, uh, uh, Candice Horbeck. Uh, she is the host of Chatting with Candice podcast. Great podcast. So check it out. And also known as uh, Eva Lavoya, one of the most popular performance in the adult in, uh, uh, entertainment industry welcome Good to have thank you. you thank you for having me uh thank you for being here how are you i'm good excellent uh excited to have you um uh, so you know love your podcast you kind of like do like the same thing like like we do here like uh, you have different guests you talk about different topics all that so we want to talk about your podcast later on in the show so we're going to end with that um but uh let's start with a few questions first of all you recently just um, announced that you're going to retire from, uh, let's say, not the self-producing uh, porn, correct? Yeah, more from mainstream. And I mean, it was an improv two admission. So I was doing a podcast and the host was asking. But I mean, I haven't shot mainstream in at least five years now. So, I mean, it kind of happened a while ago. But because of the way that content kind of exists online on, on tube sites, no one really knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also with OnlyFans now, so you can you can do your own thing, which we're gonna talk about later. Mm-hmm. So first thing is like you're 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 you know superstar in that industry. So my question is, you know, everybody's looking great, everybody's sexy. They do the same scenes almost. Like, what makes a you know an actor uh, a star in the porn industry? Like what's like how can you do that? Honestly, a lot of it is luck and timing. And I think if people don't give credit to those two things, then there's like a lot of ego involved. But aside from those two things, um, it's very rare. And I think you'll see it with the top performers for people to kind of treat it like a business, both people that are within the industry and obviously people that are on the outside of it. A lot of people think it's just a bunch of sex fiends and that's why we got in and it's just all about like hedonistic pleasures but if you do treat it like a business and kind of treat yourself like a brand then you can kind of use it as a stepping stone for other things in the future oh boris can you follow that advice can you I, honestly i was gonna say that sounds pretty universally applicable to art and like comedy too like you know anybody who treats it more like a business makes their chances of success higher and a lot of people have like an idealized vision of like the like 
kooky artist that's not focused and think that they can just fall into success. So that sounds pretty applicable to mm -hmm. anything, really. But it's yeah, not I think there's probably a lot of crossover with comedy and porn, and maybe it's not as obvious, but it's it's two groups of people that I think a lot of people write off as not being taken seriously, or um, they don't have a quote real job, or they're around degenerates, and a lot of the conversations that you know really edgy comedians have are taboo, and obviously a lot of the things that we do are very taboo. So I think that there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah, and most of the comedians fail to be porn stars first. So <laughs> I've watched a lot of opening scenes of porn that are very funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty good. Um, so you, when you, when you, uh, you know, uh, now, now, I mean, anybody have? I'm sure we all have questions. So you can just jump in whenever you want. But you know, um, you have a a yes list to your co-stars, right? So mm -hmm. what what is what is the yes list? What's what they have? What boxes they have to check in to be like your so um, when I made the decision to switch to doing more like boy girl content or like quote unquote hardcore content, um, I only had like this short list of men that I would work with. With girls, it was more of like I had a no list and I was more open to working with newer talent or less established talent. Um, but with men, I wanted them to have have a name within the industry, no one that was brand new just because the way that they're going to treat it is a little bit different. Like they're not going to get so excited when they're working with someone that maybe they're attracted to. They have more of like, I'm here to do a scene and leave. A lot of them are married. They have families. Um, again, there's just like a level of professionalism to how they show up on set and like mm. boundaries that they're more willing to adhere to. And they're more like more um, caring and like centered on the female talent. Like what, what you're okay with what you're not okay with they'll stand up for you to directors if need be like just like people that had character versus someone who i have no idea no track list i don't know if they're going to the clubs every weekend and hooking up with girls that aren't tested um that was really important to me as well oh that's a good point mm -hmm. ah. i'm gonna ask what gnome's face maybe asked when you mentioned those men being married uh and like being professionals do you this is sort of a tangent but like is there is that is that just a thing that people can compartmentalize generally speaking among the professionals even are is it common for people to compartmentalize and have like a normal home life or is it does it seem from somebody on the outside you'd certainly assume that like professionalizing a thing that's normally so intimate would affect how you look at that thing out. This is probably like a super cliche question that I'm sure it happens in the industry all the time, but like genuinely curious when you mentioned professionals having like a family and just treating it, you know, like they're coming into a factory job or something. Well, I wouldn't say it's treating it like a factory job, but um, I would say that everyone has their own relationship with sexuality. And I think assuming that there's intimacy just because you're not getting paid um, or even because you're in an established relationship, I don't think that that's always the case either. So intimacy is something True. that you have to really work at and it's not inherent. So you can be married to someone for 10 years and not have intimacy. So um, I think that's a common misconception. I think also when it comes to relationships, we all have our own, our own 
boundaries and parameters within it. So some people, yes, they compartmentalize and it's just work. Some people are in very open relationships and, you know, that is part of what is allowed within the parameters of the relationship. So it's it's work and play. Um, so you have like a combination of both. But I mean, there's plenty of people that are in atypical relationships that aren't in porn, like open relationships. I believe it's like one in three millennials now have been in one at some point within their life. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, when you, um, you know, now with the, um, with OnlyFans starting, you know, um, I personally, like I have mixed opinions about OnlyFans. Like, I think, I don't know what you guys think. Like in one way, I like it because, you know, it gives, you know, uh, people um control of the material control of what they do and it's a safe environment like like i remember back in the day like a lot of my friends like you know younger side will be like okay maybe i'll go to the strip club and it's not a lot of uh, i'll strip or i work in it's not a lot of protection for them there they're in 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 only fans it's kind of like and you make money obviously but on the other hand i feel like a lot of especially the younger side can go there without thinking about really if this is what they want to do for long term or if they okay like i feel like you have to have certain personality and understanding from a younger age that it's okay for you to be in that level you like it you love it and this is who you are what you want to be you know so so i have mixed views about only fans what do you think and then we'll go around the you know the table so i wish that the age of entry was raised to at least 21. I think 25 would honestly be even better, but I think it should be raised to 21 across the board if you're going to be um, pro- producing or performing in adult content. So I think 18 is way too young in, in general. So that problem kind of always has existed. I think what we're seeing now is it is technically easier to get in for just anybody. There's less barriers. However, the way that they're doing it tends to be a lot safer than the traditional model. So what used to happen is these kind of like suitcase pimps would run ads on Craigslist and you would have these younger girls that maybe didn't know the consequences of those decisions or maybe not entirely what they were getting in for, um, you know, 18 years old, like freshly 18, seeing I can make a quick 500 bucks if I go and shoot this this scene. Um, So like they were still they still had access to these potentially dangerous situations and these decisions that are going to follow them around forever. Um, But the difference is, is now it's kind of all in your own hands. So at the end of the day, like I believe in extreme accountability, both just both ways that 18 year old is responsible. However, it's a lot safer and a a lot less messy through OnlyFans because Yes, you own the content, you can take it down. It's probably still going to end up on a tube site and then it's going to forever live on the internet. However, you made it yourself with your iPhone in the safety of your house. Presumably, you're not flying to meet a stranger. You're not shooting with someone. And If you're that young, you don't really know what to look for with the testing protocol, if it's a valid test or not. So your health is more at risk. Um, so yeah, I do wish it was a little bit older, but I think when you're comparing the two, it like OnlyFans and that platform of kind of the creator owning all of their content and having their own, own autonomy just outweighs any potential negatives of that new model. Okay, what are your thoughts on OnlyFans? I don't know if you're OnlyFanning. Me? Is that, yeah, is that is that a, a verb, OnlyFanning? <laughs> I'm starting. I love that but... you always come to like me with these things. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't have any like judgment of it personally like 
No, just I, thoughts. I mean, I, I'm sure you I know people I can't even put do. things on Instagram. Like, I'm still getting yelled at <laughs> from, like, my agents for not posting enough stupid photos. You know what I mean? Like, let alone putting myself out there in any other sort of way. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I also know, like, it's, like, a thing for comedy now. Like, I know, like, comedians that do, it's not only, like, sex stuff. Actually, you know? it started only fan for comedians and uh, and musicians. That's how it started. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I just, personally, like, I'm terrible at self-marketing. So, like, I'm, I'm maybe not, like, the best person to have come to first with this question but i have no judgment of it. like i think like if you're good I, at I was, it like, I, yeah i wasn't referring dollar, like doing oh, whatever like go for it i wasn't yeah. referring to you personally doing uh, you know, <laughs> I know i'm know, saying like what do you think of? because it's every other yeah. one of us know a lot of people do. I'm, no. I'm down for a hustle you know what i mean like yeah. and i respect like people that can play the game and are good at you know doing it like even like on instagram like whatever like i have mad respect for like people that know how to run it like a business no what, what's your thought i'm terrible at it what's my thought on only fans yeah I don't, I don't have any thoughts on only fans i i struggle with the whole you know um i don't know normalization of the porn and the and the and the profession only not not that i have any you know moral issues but in the sense that you know if i had a i have a daughter she's 11 and if she were to grow up to you know be an adult actress or to do only fans i i would feel like i would have trouble saying well you know that's that's fine that's her decision i didn't i i i you know i'm, I'm just struggling with this privately that i i wonder you know what what the road is that leads to doing that is it, to be able to disconnect what is normally a very private and you know um embarrassing or uh whatever the word is part of life and turn it into a profession that's really what that's that's the ball over my head right now i'm not i believe me i'm i'm, I'm absolutely not passing judgment on it i have no um I have is, no is that thought issues. since you had a daughter or you know always kind of felt like that um i don't i don't know if i really thought about it that deeply uh before that you know you know dirty movies as it were were always a part of life but you know I, my, that extends back before the internet in my case so um now there wasn't only fans before he had a daughter either <laughs> your <laughs> yeah. daughter is the same age as only fans yeah. <laughs> well, you see I, there's a lot another thing with only fans like for you uh it's scandalous because you you're famous, so you have followers, you know, so they're gonna go and watch it. But I feel like when people, regular people, do it, their followers are people around them. It's kind of creepy a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like if a college kid does it, you know, who's watching this? Is the people that actually want to hook up with it? So that's why I'm saying I have like a very mixed feeling. But I, I really like your idea of like making it at least 25 and older. Because by then you kind of like have, I see a lot of younger, younger kids. And I mean, we, we saw, I personally know a lot of, um, uh, of, um, uh, you know, girls that did it and then try had a job or something and lost it because of this, or which is obviously not legal, um, or just, you know, suffer a lot because of it. Uh, and some are very, very happy with it. So, you know, so I don't know. Um, so, uh, uh, anyway, so uh, Wait, I I have a question before yeah, we change ahead. topics, especially going off what you're going off of, which is that there's sort of a 
kind of concept of leverage here, right? Also similar to other areas in entertainment where like when you have a fan base, you have a certain amount of leverage on that platform. And it kind of reminds me what's going on with all that Andrew Tate shit, right? Because his whole thing is he was sort of like running this thing where I don't know much of the details, but it sounds like he had some sort of exploitative system where he had a uh, as this whole thing set up to get girls to do OnlyFans and they weren't just doing it from their home. They weren't just doing it of their own accord necessarily. I mean, obviously it sounds like maybe there was some consensual relationship involved, but like... What are you talking about? Andrew Tate, the guy oh, that got Andrew arrested okay. in Romania. Yeah, well, just that- ge- generally for starters, I'm kind of ignorant on what that industry is like because most people, I think, I-, I felt almost naive hearing that because most people, when they hear OnlyFans, they assume that these are girls doing it in their own home of their own choice. How much of a percentage of OnlyFans is like a house set up by somebody else who's in the position of power, who's like, listen, I'm going to help you get your first fan base. You're going to have no one watching this on your own. I have a system set up to funnel dudes to you. I've got a system set up that helps you exploit them for money. And so like how, how, well, well, it's not I, supposed I no to be idea. like that, but it's obviously very... people are, tr- are pimps trying to go everything, around. Everything is gameable. So I'm just wondering yeah. how much of that is there any data even on like what percentage of OnlyFans are people doing it completely independently? What percentage is them doing it as part of some maybe there's even like a, a good collaborative effort where there's a house of girls or guys, whatever, where everyone's doing OnlyFans, but they all live together and they pool resources in some way. I don't know. Maybe there's a a kibbutz of OnlyFans going on. Well, I mean, that problem, again, it, it existed long before OnlyFans. So a lot of sure. those chat sites had the same thing. So when you had webcam models, like Live Jasmine is pretty notorious for it. And they have like a very similar model to what Andrew Tate was, but kind of like 10 x like like huge facilities that have kind of like office spaces for these webcam models. Um, it depends. It, it's like you said, anything is gameable. There's no hard data on it, but it's like any other industry. So you're going to have good and bad eggs. So unfortunately, if you have one guy that's running, you know, some kind of agency and he makes you sign this crazy ironclad contract or like fucking Andrew Tate, who was legitimately exploiting women saying, I'm going to have the email associated with this, the password, I'll lock you out, which is kind of like goes into this other thing but it's not the platform that's the problem it's these people so how does the platform create a a safe space where you can kind of verify that these people are working independently i don't know because there are legit studios that also operate right and they're throwing big money to produce scenes um so i don't know how you would go about regulating that but to anyone that's listening I invested in an agency like three years ago and we just got this new model and she had one of the worst contracts I've ever seen and they tried locking her out of her OnlyFans as well, very similar to what Andrew Tate was bragging about doing. So if you're listening to this and it is your content, like your it is your body on OnlyFans, if you go around whoever you sign this contract with, which all of those are null, like those are not legal co- contracts, if you go directly to OnlyFans, they will kick out this what is essentially an online pimp and give you your account back. So you just have to contact support. They will always side with the creator. They're always going to side with the model. They are not okay with exploitation. So if you find yourself in that situation, go directly to the platform. All right. Um, All right. So before we move on from the porn stuff, do anybody have a question about that? Uh, I remember there was like a case in Canada because I watched the people that are in like the Canadian parliament right around zoom like discussing it there was like 
the it was why like would the, you watch a Canadian Parliament? <laughs> yeah, dude, they're so funny. Like having them talk, having Canadians talk about you are high. Like the funniest thing in the whole world. I hours I sat there watching it. Um, it was my porn. Um, but it was like it was it was the founders of Pornhub that were getting grilled because there were videos that the people in them said that they didn't have permission to like post or use or whatever. And they were trying to figure out exactly like what Candace is saying, like, how do you regulate that? And like, what is like a consequence and like, you know, whatever. Mostly I just liked hearing like them talk about like porn stuff and the Canadian accent. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting though, because it is, it's like a tricky question. Like, like they, it's, it's, you know, the internet, I feel like is just such a gray area for like a lot of people, you know? Well, they were being totally reckless and not requiring ID. So you could literally, or or any kind of consent forms, not that that means anything, because you could obviously forge a signature and there's a lot of um, errors that way as well. But like, there was nothing. You could literally just upload content and that made no sense. And then they went back and they were like, yes, we do, do we age verify everything? And then it was me and a few other performers were like, that's funny because you have stolen content that I produced and you don't have my IDs for that shoot. You don't have my consent form for that shoot. So someone else ripped my content and like, I'm obviously pretty well known. So God knows these other videos. So just like obvious lies out of the gate. Wild. Mm -hmm. so what when you uh you know uh now like that you um in this level like what would what would your advice be to anyone that wants to do it or not want to do it like both like like when when is the right time how do you know you're making the right decision i know that for you you always want it to be you know it's not always because this is one of the myths about parents like always like somebody who ran away from that family and just didn't want to you know i know a lot of people that you know just do it because they love it and they enjoy it and they're making good money and mm -hmm. stuff like this but but also i know people that regret it and we had guests in this podcast that you know years later will call me is like we need to take this out you know anything i'm changing my life and all that you know and that's something that you should you know be able to do it so what would the advice be for either um for either way like when when to make the right decision when do you know what's right and what's wrong i mean that's not anything i can give advice on it's the what for myself the reason that i mean i think it partially worked out is at the time all of those decisions i was making were authentic to who i am and i i joke with my husband now because we're like well is there anything that you regret now that there's only fans and um there's a lot of ways that you can kind of create enter that industry without being beholden to these men and, and like these massive industry master of massive companies and i was like i mean there's maybe some decisions i would have changed like deals like the structure of certain deals but it's like no matter what i was gonna get naked on camera like that was just part of my journey like i truly believe that um so i think if you're going into it you have to know like if you're making that decision and if that's authentic to who you are and if you're chasing something like money or fame, like those very things, like superficial things that are not guaranteed and like you're not okay with it being permanent because it is permanent, um, then it's probably not a good idea. And you have, it, you know, it comes down to you at the end of the day. Like there are going to people be people that um, never talk to you again for it. I have family members that don't talk to me because mm -hmm. of it. And initially they were okay with it. It's like everyone has 
their own timeline of processing something like that because it is very atypical, right? And it's still extremely taboo and no one really knows why people make those decisions, especially if they're not okay with their own sexuality in whatever way that is. A lot of people think there's one way to have healthy sexuality and there's one way to have a healthy marriage or in one way to lead like a, a wholesome life, if you want to say that. But you know, we, we're in charge of creating our own re- reality. And if it doesn't align with everyone, like you will lose people. So you have to be okay with that too. So you just have to understand the full gravity of that s- decision. And that's why I, I think raising the age is kind of paramount. How does your husband feel about it? He's my biggest fan. But how does, so, he, how does he process it? I mean, you're, you're having sex with other men. Uh, you, you, you appear to be, you know, I, I presume you show the signs of having, you know, enjoying it. Well, the men, at some point, at some point, you might actually enjoy it. I mean, how does he, how does a man process that with his wife? You would have to, I mean, you'd have to ask him. It's been a long journey. It wasn't always easy. It's not like we never fought about it. I think with any relationship, it's constantly like living, breathing and evolving. So the rules of that relationship are always changing and what your expectations are from your partner are always changing. But he's the type of person um, where if he's like uncomfortable with something, he like finds how uncomfortable can I get? How deep can I get into that? And how do I transcend that? So he's very introspective. It's not like I have this raging jealousy and I'm going to let that win. He's going to be like, okay, well, where, what are the first principles of this jealousy? Where is it coming from? Is it because I'm afraid I'm going to lose her? Is it because I feel like my status is being challenged? Is it because I'm fearful of how society is now going to look at me for, quote, letting my wife do these things? So it's like really stripping away all of these questions and finding out like the core of that emotion and then whether or not he can transcend it. And I mean, we've been together for 13 years. We have two beautiful babies. Um, We're in like probably the healthiest marriage out of everyone I know. We're not currently open. I say we're like monogamish, um, but neither of us have like acted on that. But we've we kind of like tested those boundaries even outside of my work. So it wasn't like different rules for him either. So I wanted the the playing field to be level. So there's a lot of women that are like, well, this is only work and you have to be a good husband and stay at home and not even look at another woman. And I thought that was absurd. It's like that is the quickest way to build resentment in a relationship. So I was one of the most like fiercely jealous women I have ever met, which is really ironic. So it was actually harder for me to get over that and those boundaries than it was for him because like he's just so honest with himself. He's not afraid to say like what he feels and how he feels and why he feels that way. Whereas me, I'm like, no, like that's mine and no one else can play with it. So it was a lot (laughs) harder for me, um, need to get over it. And then at some point, there was it was towards the end of my career he's like you know i'm i think i'm done with this right i think i'm done now <laughs> i think i'm ready for you to just be mine and i was like okay and that's kind of when i stopped shooting with other people so again it was always an open open conversation i was never like leading the charge and he was never trying to keep me in a cage it was always this very open and honest dialogue back and forth well i haven't met your husband but i'm i'm ready to vote for him for president <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think I think you, you said something that's very interesting uh, earlier on when you said like people have a different time to process something, and that's I think that's a great advice in a lot of ways because you know people can be okay with something and then not okay with it, or vice versa, not okay with it and then okay with it. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to stay with this relationship uh, part, you know, after your husband. I want to ask you, 
uh about your your kids congrats you had two two beautiful babies like you said back to back uh as i read and uh so congratulations how's motherhood it's amazing it's the best yeah. thing i've ever done so i'll ask you uh i i believe like i heard this question they were asking uh kim kardashian the same thing is like you know about her sex tape, you know, mm -hmm. and there was like, how would, and I'm sorry that we asking questions like that, but it's, you know, your public figure, obviously. And I think it's very good for other people to deal with, with different scenarios in their own, you know, when they hear you. So they ask her and I ask you the same thing, when and how would you approach your kids about uh, this, you know? It's really hard because obviously you have to introduce things at age appropriate levels. So even certain concepts, they're just not going to be able to to understand. Um, and I think a lot of it is it's more of like how they view the world and how you should treat people. So that'll kind of extend into all sorts of hurdles that they're going to have to to face obviously this is the most obvious and probably the biggest one i can see right now but there's a lot of overlap there so like is it okay to like be a bully or to not be compassionate or you know what i mean it's like how do you treat people like do you stand up when you say see something wrong like it's just more about building character are you someone that needs to be accepted by everyone is your self-worth only dependent on how many friends that you have or you, like those kinds of things um as far as the sexuality aspect it's is sex inherently shameful no was i a whole person before i had you yes our mothers still sexual creatures yes am i allowed to explore that in ways that i think are appropriate for my my body yes like a woman is in charge of her sexuality and she doesn't kind of cease to exist as that being just because she is a mom um certain things are for adults only you know yeah. like if you have a, a dick friend who's 13 showing you something on his iPhone. Well, his parents failed him more than I failed you because that kid is acting cruel and that's not okay. That's not how we behave to other people. So it's not, I don't think it's going to be easy by any measure. And then a lot of it too is like they're both boys. So it's going to be the conversations that they have with their father and what that looks like. Like what does sexuality look like in their conversation? Because like, let's be very honest, they're not going to want to talk to me about sex, let alone my own sex that's going to be embarrassing and a lot for them to handle so i'll answer whatever they want i'll let them be mad at me obviously i understand it and they're totally valid in all of those responses but they're going to need that masculine space where they can be like what is wrong with mom how did you let like all of those questions how did you let her do that and then he's going to have to describe well there's no letting her she's a person with her own agency and we made these decisions together and however he wants to navigate that in private because there's going to be things that they want to like say in secret to him and that's totally okay because that relationship is also very um like sacred and i don't want to tread on that either so a lot it's it's both of us you know and it's trying to be ahead of it um so i i don't know i'll talk to you when it yeah. happens i think in 13 years the world's gonna be crazy that they're not gonna care i think everything is gonna be online already and everything is gonna be i don't know it's well a ai may put uh humans out of work on this stuff you know it's totally gonna happen so the agency that we're um that i invested in we're actually doing a really cool ai project and we're actually trying to figure out how to create ai accounts and then also make my account kind of transition into that eventually and it is fascinating what you can do did you see on twitter a couple of days ago they had this, this ai for these four hot blondes i mm -hmm. mean it's crazy wait that was, that was ai 
Damn. <laughs> there's there's going to be deep fakes of everyone's mom doing porn. So it's really might as well have actually done it. Yeah. You know, you know, what's funny. We had uh, if you remember, no, we had an episode uh, replica uh, about the app replica AI that you can date. Uh, remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that. And 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 it's crazy. So to prepare, usually to prepare for any show, I like to to do the research and be. So I joined Replica, and I was, you know, I see like a dating, and it's really get into you, you know, like she, like that AI, like they know exactly what you like, they know everything that you do. So I think you know AI is gonna change, uh, change the world for sure, especially in relationship porn. There's a guy that wanted to uh, marry his Replica AI dating. Uh, oh yes, it's probably he was probably Asian, right? <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> so, uh, so now you know uh, with with the you know relation, like you know a lot about uh, obviously sex, relationships, stuff like that from from your business, like men, women, and their own, you know. So you you uh, you do a lot of episodes in your podcast also about relationship and sexuality and stuff like that. So, you know, what's, what's your, um, you know, what's your take on relationship in general? Like, obviously part of what you're doing with your husband and with your kids is you picked your husband and your kids, you know what I'm saying? So, so what's your relationship advice to somebody who's, you know, in, in not necessarily important, but anybody that in the show business in general or busy or have a lot of attention on them or anything like that? Oh, man. What kind of uh, partner that you want? You want somebody as busy or you want somebody as, you know? I think we all want different things out of a partner. I think what happens is you just have to be honest with yourself as to what you want. I think a lot of the times we don't have that integrity with ourselves, and then we get mad at our partner when they didn't, don't show up how we expect them to or we don't do a good job at communicating with, with, with them what our needs are. So I think that is, you know, the number one thing is communication and it's honest communication i think a lot of times we kind of self-censor ourselves because we don't want to piss them off or we don't want to start a fight or we don't want to risk a breakup but then you end up at the risk of being in the wrong relationship so it's like the this is what my focus is on if it's like you're focusing on your career right now and you're like i do really love you but like this is the time that i need to be hustling and i need to be traveling and i need to be putting most of my energy into whatever it is that you're trying to create be um be creating like they should be supportive of that and vice versa so i think a lot of times we want we want too much out of one person yeah i don't know yeah, definitely. And and the thing is, I have a little delay, sorry. Uh, so, you know, uh, moving on to your, you know, your podcast. Uh, so what you, why did you want to start your podcast? You started while during COVID? Were you still um, doing, uh, um, you stopped hardcore porn for like five years, you said now, right? So only OnlyFans. So why did you want to do your podcast? I had a lot of free time. So there was that. And I was like, how do I channel this? I'm not used to not working. So I wanted some kind of project, something to kind of build. And then I think we all saw how fucking crazy it was. Everyone was shouting. Everyone had an opinion. No one was treating each other kindly or thinking for themselves. It was just like these swarms of people that were just collectively arguing whatever in lockstep that their party said. And I was like, I have this little child that I just brought into the world and it's falling apart and everyone's lost their goddamn mind. And I have a platform, so I'm gonna try and use it for something in the form of contribution instead of like constantly taking. Cause I think that a lot of people do that 
not just in porn, just any large creator. It's like, take, 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 buy this, buy that. You know what I mean? So it, for me, it was a form of contribution. The podcast makes like zero dollars. Um, essentially, we're actually probably negative because of how much it is to produce everything. So um, for me, it was just something that was a creative outlet that I saw as adding value to chaos. And did you, when you started like that was the reason you didn't want to, because, you know, I was, I was surprised when I checked out your podcast, you know, cause I thought it will be like a lot like, um, uh, coffee with porn stars or stuff like, like it's more, <laughs> that's porn another stars podcast. In, porn stars in cars getting coffee. Or... <laughs> no, actually, actually there is a podcast called coffee with porn stars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but that's funny. Cars and <laughs> porn stars and, and cars, uh, getting coffee, uh, but you're talking about everything, you know. Uh, I mean, he started a couple of episodes, which I think you think uh, I think a lot of people like want to have, uh, you know, want to understand the porn industry. Like in, even though I think it's dying in a way because of OnlyFans, you know. Uh, I'm surprised that the big, you know. Oh no, I had a question. Does Jews control the porn fan? <laughs> Just like well, I don't think Hollywood. she likes. I don't think she likes the term porn. By the way. Um, I think it's called adult films, but uh, yeah, well, we know this that that uh, at least initially that um, Jewish people were were the uh, moguls in this industry. Um, what do you? Yeah, about I think that? I heard Kanye talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and in and not just the movie industry, but in also the the dirty magazines were all, were all uh, 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 Jewish guys. Hustler mag, Al Goldstein was that his name? I mean, uh, Screw magazine and um, not Hustler, uh, Playboy. No, but the guy, I don't know if you saw that documentary Netflix about uh, New York and the guy that started the peep show. Uh, you know, it's it's such a crazy story how like, and that like, I think peep shows and like web cameras is the worst thing that you could have done to people. You know, it was just like, I, I think it was um it was part of like this uh, serial killer series that that's how he started, you know, uh, watching the girls and stuff like that. And that's, again, one of the things that I like about um only fans, but um. So I, mean, I guess I guess Hugh Hefner was not Jewish. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I also you know I like something. Uh, he just he said that when you did your podcast is because you can be canceled. So, uh, you could say whatever you want. You can be honest. Oh no, she can be canceled. I disagree. But How? How can you be? I can she be canceled? Because you're not. Uh, because because uh, adult films are not nearly as bad as uh considered as as racism or the things you'd be canceled for but not she's got she's creating her own content so that's oh. kind of like what louis ck doing now or a lot of people doing like with their own web, even in comedy they have their own website they live stream their own thing well like it, depends, it, depends, it depends what you mean, mean by canceled then i guess what do you mean by canceled Go ahead, Ken. What do you think when you said like I can't be canceled? What what's what's your? Oh, she said, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Go ahead." So when I think of canceled, I mean I think of not being able to create an income anymore. So if you lose what a lot of regular people, they feel like they can't stand up for themselves or whatever their beliefs are because they feel like their their boss is going to fire them because they're not going along with some kind of program that the company adheres to. Um, and then a lot of celebrities, if you're beholden to like big fashion brands or uh, a certain agency and then you're not going to get booked for movies, I think 
I exist in this weird place where all of my content, whether it's adult or whether it's for the podcast, I just do it myself. Like I literally, I have no one that I have to run anything by. So I can, I've had swarms of people and it's not fun on Twitter, especially if you go after like the Andrew Tate fans, like they come at you for days. Um, so that'll oh, happen and you just have to kind of go off of your phone, but that doesn't hurt, hurt my bank account at all. It doesn't put my account at risk. Cause I, you can just be careful with what you say on specific platforms and now that Twitter changed ownership. There's a lot more freedom there, but like YouTube, you, you know what you can and can't say before you post a video on YouTube. So if you get deleted off there, it's kind of like you were just trying to get the clout from it. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's no one that's going to be like, you can't get a paycheck right now yeah, because you said X, Y, Z. And I agree with you. And that's, I think that's a lot of like successful comedians, like not like necessarily like big stars, but you know, uh, like working successful comedians they are doing is like, you know, they have their own uh, website, they stream their own shows, they don't need Netflix for deals, they don't need, you know, they, they can make their own thing. The main thing that you need, obviously, is fans, you know, and once once fans know that you're honest, then then, then you get, they're going to go with it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's definitely what... Uh, you know, so what, which uh, I, I see your, 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 you know, your podcast there, uh, one of the episodes that I, I saw, um, I mean, I watched few, but, um, uh, the unveiling Islam one, you know, mm-hmm. so you talk about religion, you talk about, you know, religion, you talk, are you religious by the way? I would say I'm spiritual, which I know sounds so crunchy, but like, I don't adhere to one religion. I, I believe in God. I believe in prayer and meditating and you know those kinds of things like death did you watch family guy uh the the part about when he meet god and ask him about spiritual people <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> so funny but I, but anyway just i just want to say you know i i agree what you mean about not being canceled in that way you're definitely not as you're not your livelihood is not vulnerable but but um you know there's more to it than that for some for some reason i guess a good reason you can be known as like ron jeremy before he was he was canceled actually wasn't he, didn't he, did he before he died didn't or canceled after something happened with him but he but didn't he have tried to, like he died? got me too he got me too yeah so yeah. so before before he was uh whatever he used to come down to the olive tree remember hot Tim, right yeah comedy song yep yeah and everybody knew who he was and it was fine no nobody nobody cared it was you know titillating in some way but if he had been you know known for calling somebody the n-word uh, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have had such an easy time just walking the olive tree you know people would be afraid to say hello to him that he'd be he'd be canceled maybe he could still make his money in uh, in some way but his 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 uh acceptance in society which matters to people well would, there's definitely certain yeah. circles where he wouldn't be accepted even with his given career so it's just what rooms you find yourself in yeah but like like, like liberal New York City be, being a an adult actor, can even give you cachet you know people like to have a naughty friend or whatever it is it's people may not want their own family to do it but they don't it's not considered a, a bad person but far from it but if, what, you step on certain, if you step on certain third rails your ability to live and interact with polite society can be damaged and i would call that cancellation even if you could still uh make money but uh, i having said all that i don't think you're planning or just just from speaking to you for half an hour it doesn't seem like you're 
likely to say something horrible. Like, you know, like, <laughs> no, I probably I not. Think, I don't think you're going to call anybody the N word. So I don't think you'll be canceled. <laughs> no, but there's actually probably one of the world's most famous adult stars has a whole video where she just says the N word for probably three minutes straight. And I, I don't know why. I'm not sure of the context. I don't know what the point of it was. I don't agree with it. But um, again, she's like one of the number one, still, still one of the number one performers in the world massively successful with anything that she touches and that didn't do it so i don't know i think sometimes you can find yourself in this weird universe where your fans are loyal almost to a fault because obviously like that's that's not good um, that have something to do with the fact that like there's maybe less of a I, I know there's like conventions and stuff, but like if you're a fan of comedy, you go see comedy in person around other people. So you have to also face if you're going to see Louis C.K. and some people have a problem with that. Well, you're out in the open. You, you're seen as a Louis C.K. fan, whereas when you're watching porn, you're usually by yourself. You don't really have to answer to other people that you're still supporting this porn star who might. I don't think it's N-word. usually by yourself. It's always by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, always. never say never. Always. never say never. But just in, but just in general, it's a phenomenon where you don't really have to be as accountable to other. Uh, generally, that I feel sense. like most being a fan of most things, you don't normally hold yourself accountable to other people. But like, yeah, yeah if you go to a public concert, that's mm-hmm. a little different. You can mm-hmm. have people picketing outside of, you know, if you go to see R. Kelly, you you can have people picketing and seeing that you're supporting R. Kelly. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Boris, you're, I mean, you're hitting on something which is absolutely true. The difference between what people really feel and what they pretend they feel in, in front of others and is, right. is vast. And Louis, we talked about this. I mean, Louis won a Grammy for Best Comedy Album last year, whatever it was. And obviously- that's only because there was a secret ballot in public. All those same people who voted for him have to pretend they're so outraged and are upset and how dare he, blah, blah, blah. But behind closed doors, they're listening to Louis C.K. And, and, and giving him a Grammy award, right? So, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, um, also, you know, I, the story that I always tell, which always to, to uh, you know, to Boris points is, you know, when, when Norm, Le, you know, was... Um, was okay with Louis C.K. coming back to the cellar and performing. It was one of the first, Norm was one of the first ones that supported Louis C.K. after all this. And, you know, and I had a a, a journalist friend and he was like, uh, he was going to be in a podcast. He's like, I can't, you know, I can't be in the comedy cellar. I don't want to be there. Uh, you know, I can, I, I'm against uh, Louis. And then in private, he calls me. He's like, I'm in a line outside. I can't get in. Can you give me tickets to the comedy cellar? So in <laughs> in, the, in in TV and radio, yeah, he want to be like something. But behind the scenes is something else. Um, we have a lot of comedians that um, hosted the, uh, uh, what do you call the adult uh, awards uh, ceremonies? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know Jim Norton and all these guys? I've seen him. I, I haven't spoken with him, but yeah, there's always somebody, yeah. some kind of comedian that's doing the opening usually. Yeah. So, so let, let's talk about like uh, me too, since we were talking about me too and, and how, how much me too is, you know, and that's a, another thing about only fans that I think it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not paid by only fans by the way, but it's just, I'm just saying uh, how much me too quite is the other actually... way around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the only one getting paid by only fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how much Me Too is happening, and how did it change in the in the last years uh, of the uh, adult film industry? In your opinion, 
I, I don't think those numbers are going to ever be 100% accurate because it relies on women coming or men coming forward with stories and maybe they don't want to. Maybe they're like, okay, that happened and I'm going to move on and not, you know, be in that situation again, whether I switch jobs or don't go around that person. So not everyone makes a claim that should. And then you have people that make claims that shouldn't. So to know the accuracy, I think, is always going to be a little bit tricky. I think it did in my opinion, more harm than good because you saw a lot of allegations come forward with not a lot of evidence. So then it kind of took the seriousness of that away from something that really should be highlighted because it exists in every industry. I mean, I was in um, like the service industry for a long time, so like bars and restaurants, and it happens there all the fucking time. It happened there more often than it did on a scene. Um, I've never made a claim against anyone because it's like, okay, well, that person's a dick and I'm just not going to do the closing shift again um, or whatever it is. I think the difference is is that when you're in such an extreme example like a porn set, the gravity of that violation is different. So instead of working at Hooters and having someone grab your butt or something, you know, it can be something a lot a lot more serious. It can be like a full-blown rape. It can be like a punch to the face. It could be whatever it is, right? Um, some kind of like very big boundary being crossed. So I think that's the difference. As far as the changes since Me Too, I, I mean, again, I haven't shot for a mainstream company in at least five years, so I, I can't speak to anything as of that time period. But when I was there, nothing changed. Like, no one took anything more seriously. It, it, like, what are you going to do? Have someone on set that costs the company more money? Like, they don't give a shit. Did mm. they do it for COVID? Were there COVID enforcements on set? I wasn't shooting during COVID because I, I quit before then. Right. But the, the people that I was still in contact with, they were doing COVID tests. Like, you had to go. It, so you test every two weeks for, like, a host of um, STDs. And then they added COVID to that. So you had to be negative before you could be cleared to shoot. But it wasn't like other like I've been to set where they had to have a covid compliance officer. I actually know comics who made pretty good money off of like going to a couple weeks of covid compliance training. And then you get like a pretty high day rate higher than I would. They would get a better day rate than I would on set sometimes for just. But then everybody hates you. Everybody hates you. That's what you're being being paid for. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you, you know, the adult film industry is like was one of the first to adjust with COVID. The second COVID hit, there was content right away. It's like, oh, sex during quarantine. My roommate and I are quarantined. It was just like right away. Like they, they were the first. <laughs> them and Zoom are the best ones that actually like adjust with COVID so quickly, you know. <laughs> uh, it's cool. But uh, Candice, you mentioned something during like earlier in the show. You said like when we talk about, your, you know, your... um your checklist for your male um, uh, uh, stars. and you Co-star. Said, yeah, and, and one of the things that you said was uh, they can protect you from uh, or stand up for the director and stuff like that. What, what, do you, what do you mean in that? Like, So there's – so women tend to be more agreeable. Like This has kind of been found in every psychological study. Like we just don't want to be so combative, rock the boat, um, have people be mad at us. Like we 
tend to care a lot about those things. Obviously, there's outliers, but unfortunately, because that is a truth and it's a pretty well-known truth that some people will kind of take advantage of that. So you might show up for a set and the scene is supposed to be very vanilla and all of a sudden the director's like, well, actually, we're going to add this and we're going to do this in this position and he's going to finish here. And maybe that's not something she signed up for. Maybe there's an extra person that now they want you to shoot with and that wasn't discussed. And unfortunately, sometimes the female talent will just go along with it because they don't want to be blacklisted because they don't want to um, cause any issues on set where like the guy doing the boom doesn't get paid because now you held up everybody and now location is two times the cost like all of these other factors that go into shooting so they're just like go along to get along a lot of times um if you're in like an uncomfortable position if you have like a stand-up guy he's gonna be like okay well i don't think we're gonna do this today so rather you saying that you're not okay with the position like they'll suggest something else if you're not okay with a certain sex act they'll suggest something else and for some reason the director is more likely to listen to them so i've been in situations where um i was being seen as difficult and then as soon as the male talent sided with me and was like actually like let's just do this other alternative they're like oh sure that's fine and then you know what I mean? It was just taken a lot more lightly than when I would present something. Um, Is so that yeah, an I mean, interesting it, dynamic where, like, you know, normally people would see men as empowered more so in a lot of these situations. But also I've heard the flip side that, like, generally speaking, like men are kind of less valuable in the porn industry. Is that a correct assumption? It depends on what you're what tier you're talking about. I think that can be kind of intentionally misleading. So yes, the performers, most female performers make significantly more money per day rate. But when you look at who owns all the companies, it's men. Who's directing? It's men. Who's producing? It's men. So we're looking at one small group and saying, oh, look, it's the only industry where women make more. Who owns OnlyFans? A dude. So sure, I make more than a guy in front of the camera, but I'm certainly not making as much as the guy that owns the platform. So there is no script in the scene like it's not like when you say the director can change stuff and say like so it's not scripted not everything like you're gonna no. do this and then this and then that no not always and then sometimes the script is different i mean i was a contract star and so you would think everything was pretty much above board with something like that and i would show up to set and they're like oh you're gonna shoot with six dudes today and i'm like absolutely not happening like that's we never even established if that was within my boundaries which it's not and then that was the whole issue so i mean they can totally throw a curveball at you for sure and then because the worst that happens is you say no because no one usually will go on their platform and say this happened to me which i did which is why i got fired and then I was blacklisted for a year and a half because of it um, because like those instances kind of kept happening and I was like this is total bullshit if you're doing this to someone who has a massive following I can't imagine what you're doing to someone who just showed up for their first day on set this is insane and then it gives the whole industry a bad look because everyone thinks that's how everyone behaves because no one says anything and no one says this isn't okay but if more people were like this isn't okay we expect better out of our industry then I think it would be a lot more accepted in the public when they do do that and flip it on you and try to sneak something in, are they doing that because they think you wouldn't have agreed to it? They wanted to do it from the beginning and you wouldn't have agreed. So they think that the way they can get away with it is by changing the tune afterwards or like what's their like, why do they choose to approach it that way? Or why do you think since obviously you're not the one doing it? 
My guess would be that, yes, it's easier to get someone to change their boundaries on the fly than if they have time to think about it. Um, and then also the prices are different. So if you're doing different acts, everything has a different price. So if you show up and all of a sudden it's something else, but you agreed to, let's say, 800 bucks, then you know, you're getting paid 800 bucks for something that you would probably wouldn't have done at all, let alone for more money. So it's saving them money. And then they're also getting a more extreme scene, which then makes more money. So, it, I mean, I think everything kind of comes down to profit when you scale up. Makes sense. Oh, that's interesting. See? Um, all right. So I'll, I'll ask you guys a couple of things, you know, and you tell me if it's uh, if it's true or, or, or myth, okay, about... And this is not my opinion. This is according to psychologytoday.com. Okay, uh, so let's see. So, Candace, you'll be Candace, you'll be the last one because you probably know the answers. Okay, let's go. I don't know. Kate, porn makes a bad society, right or wrong? Makes a bad society. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> Look hesitant. Yes, it's wrong because they, they said data shows that sexual crimes are lower in areas where there is greater access to porn. You see, that's why my neighborhood is safe. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is actually actually true, you know. Um, uh, let's see. I want to get hard one for Norm. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, porn is addictive, right or wrong, Norm? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think everybody knows porn is addictive, right? I mean, there's there's there's, there's many people who are addicted to porn. Anybody else? Wrong. Who said wrong? It's wrong. It's I mean, there's no there's no clinician that will ed, well that looks at it as an actual addiction. So it's not classified as one. It's not in the DSM four. Um, no clinician. Well, anyone that says that there's a porn addiction tends to be a religious affiliate. Um, porn addiction is actually tends to be a compulsion issue, and it, that's just the outlet that they're engaging in. So it's not actually the pornography. And well, then people use like the dopamine kick, but you dopamine happens when you scroll through Instagram. It happens when you eat a burger. It happens when you learn a new trick um, or learn a new language. So it's not that's not what it is. Boris, yeah, what well, do you think? Well, 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 yeah. Let me just say. Let me just answer that. I I don't mean. Um... I mean, when you say it's an outlet for compulsive behavior, yeah, I mean, there are addictive personalities and and they can, be, I mean, there's a tech, maybe there's a technical definition of addictive that, as you say, that clinicians use, but certain things that people will lament, you know, I can't stop doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't stop watching these movies. Um, that's all I mean by it. I mean, there's plenty of, of uh, things which, most people handle fine, which a small number of people uh, can't, you know, it has a different effect on them. So I didn't, I'm not, I don't know if we're really contradicting each other. I'm, I, I, I guess when you hear somebody say porn is addictive, it sounds like they're saying that something needs to be done about porn. I'm, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm not sure if marijuana is, is classified as addictive either. I'll, I'll give you the answer after this. Boris, what yeah. do you think? Addictive or not? And then Kate. Well, for starters, it sounds like it doesn't matter what I think because it sounds like Candace knows what she's talking about yeah. and gave the answer. <laughs> but, I mean, the the difference between addiction and compulsion, I don't know if I have a complete grasp on. I, I will say maybe to be a contrarian, but maybe that was my genuine opinion, that when I've heard before people talk about sex addiction, it I was also kind of like had a – like like an impulsive skepticism of like 
I don't know many like fat, ugly, poor people who have a sex addiction. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you just have everyone I know who has a sex addiction is hot, you know, because you have access to this thing. If porn, I mean, people didn't have access at a certain point and, and the activity of a porn addiction was probably much more rare when it was much more difficult to have access to it when you had to, you know, old school hide VHS tapes in the woods like we kids did back in my day and then it would rain all over your vhs tapes and now <laughs> and now where's your porn addiction you know so um i don't know it, it sounds to me like it makes sense that somebody that has trouble controlling their lives in other ways so is it yes or no <laughs> no i mean it sounds like candace knows what she's talking about but but I'll stop taking her side say say your opinion <laughs> Kate, I'm, what do you well think? i might i can't I, I i just heard what sounds like there's data behind it so now i have like motivated reasoning to yeah. say that it sounds like it's a compulsion and it sounds like if you remove access i don't know if somebody's like gonna get the shakes you know what i mean kate what do you think you yeah, know i i i would basically be like echoing everybody so else you think it's, okay all right, so it, yeah. so the answer is she's right. It's wrong, and this is another, <laughs> according to again Surprise. psychology today, this is another uh, well-known myth based uh, on opinion rather than uh, science. And even the uh, World Health Organization agrees with the diagnosis. So yes, uh, you're right. It's not an addiction. So you see, but there is value-wise, I think, behind what Noam is saying, and I'm sure this is why it ties to religious people. You know that like Sodom and Gomorrah is like a classic. It, tale because there is some value to that lesson that you can have a, a society or individuals whose minds get corrupted when they're overexposed to that type of thing but, and it's uh, an outlet among other psychological issues hey hatem yes sir is masturbation addictive uh to me or to in general because <laughs> 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 yeah you address when i say a question i say i, I address it publicly you say hatem is masturbation <laughs> you were very specific in your question well, well is, it, is it well i think you, you i think you i agree with you some some um, personalities are addictive and some are not you know so I, to me, I find it addictive when it's uh, like in certain period over a period of time. Like sometimes I'm addicted, sometimes I'm not. You know, I I find myself masturbated the more I have sex. You know, uh, it's crazy, right? But yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to another one, uh, and then I know Boris have to go, or do you have to go now, Boris? Because he said you have. Uh, I got I got like five I got like five ten minutes. Not as hard. Uh, as okay. Um, watching porn uh, leads to sexual offending and sexual violence towards women. Kansas, we're going to leave you last because everybody copied <laughs> your answers. So, yeah. This so, is a quick a stupid one. quiz at him. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, yes or no? No, of course not. No? No. Plenty okay. of people watch porn and don't rape women. It's not about rape. It's about, like, maybe, yes, for certain position, you say something. I don't know. There's a lot of things. That's I not would what think... they're talking. That's not what the question's alluding to, though. Um, sexual violence against sexual women offending. is not asking your no. partner if you want to do reverse it's, cowgirl. The question says leads to sexual offending and sexual right. violence, or so you can offend someone as well. So well, okay, not, no, 
Oh, I forget about the violence. You're like hurting your feelings out. So forget <laughs> about the violence, about, you know, acting. Uh, Boris, what do you think quickly? I, I don't think so. To me, that sounds too much like trying to blame like video games and stuff as well. You never tried yeah. to copy a porn star in, in your bedroom? No, no. And I think even more so, uh, you know, I'm, I would almost say more so with strip clubs than with porn. Like when I, like, I think it just seems like such a fantasy thing when you view it on your screen. To me, it almost translates less but i've gone on like bachelor parties before and we'll be at a strip club and i'll leave and i can feel myself that it takes me like a day for my brain to reset and not like look <laughs> at women as pieces of meat if i'm gonna be totally frank like just seeing that for hours at a night and seeing like flesh in your face that way it i feel like it takes my brain like a day to reset and be a normal <laughs> human being no what do you think What's the question? Uh, do you think, uh, you know, watching porn can lead to sexual offending? Like you could say something. We'll forget about the violence because, we, you know, I think we all know that it's not. Sexual like... offending? No. Does anybody say that? I don't think anybody says that. That's crazy. No? Yeah. Uh, Candace, do you feel like watching that. porn, even for younger kids? So I'm going to say no. Um, Chris Ferguson does. He's kind of like one of the most famous psychologists when it comes to the the narrative that video games causes violence and specifically mass violence and how it just he says it much more eloquently than i can but the way that your brain processes it it just doesn't make sense even for younger kids um because that was the narrative back in like the 90s and still sometimes today when there's an incident so no however i do think if you have young boys specifically that are watching explicit content and they haven't had someone have the talk with them in depth and like teach them what healthy sexuality is i think that there is a chance that they watch it and they're like oh it's totally cool if i spit on this girl's face and like they don't understand consent that's not okay and what's also interesting um this is brett weinstein's work in one of his uh one of his more recent books but um when you scroll through any kind of technology like if you spend too much time on social media youtube porn whatever it is that you actually start to show signs like you would be on the spectrum like the autism spectrum so being able to have nonverbal communication goes down so obviously what is sex it's like you know, anywhere from two minutes to 45 minutes of nonverbal communication for the most part and understanding what your boundaries are, what your partner's boundaries are. So if that, um, the lack of like being able to recognize, you know, nonverbal cues and facial ex uh, expressions and so on goes down, then of course you're going to have heightened offense, sexual offense, if it will be. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Um, all right. So, uh, just uh, to wrap up, last thing, you know, uh, you want to tell us about your podcast a little bit before we go? Um, sure. So the podcast just started dropping new episodes. I was on maternity leave for a little bit and you can find everything on YouTube or chatting with Candice.com and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I'll have the link also in the description of this show. Uh, and and you, you get guests from all over, right? Like different topics, different yeah, I kind of I just I get in holes like I love researching and I love reading. So if I find a topic that I'm super into, then I'll find guests or experts on um, on that topic and I'll get a whole bunch of them and then I'll move on to another topic. Or if I get super charged about some something that's happening in the news then I'll find some talking head for that position. So it's just wherever my curiosities kind of lead me. Um, excellent. All right. All right. You guys, anybody have a question for Kansas before we go? No, but it was super fascinating. I feel mm -hmm. like I learned a lot this hour. 
Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. It's it's all about learning. Well, guys, thank you. For, uh, Boris, you want to share your information where people can follow you? Just uh, at the Boris K on Twitter and Instagram and all that. Anything coming stuff. up soon? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm like hosting some stuff in Jersey. It, you could just go to my website, Boris Hyken, K-H-A-Y-K-I-N for any show. Is it the secret? Like Damn, we're trying to promote you. Oh, well, yeah, I have a <laughs> podcast, but it's not out yet. So it's kind of like nobody's going to go. I need to promote it when it's already out. But it's called Airbnb Drama, and it's me and another comic that both work with Airbnbs and stuff and just some crazy stories and advice and stuff all about that industry. Great. Kate? Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Scotch the Cat. Like I said, I'm horrible at self-marketing. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> But she's great and funny. <laughs> Noam, anything? Noam is worse than you in promoting, so I'll promote for him. Uh, Louis C.K., okay. you can watch his stuff. Colin Quinn, have a great show. You need to get tickets. Comedy seller, you can see, you know, Chris Rock is uh, working on stuff now. Of course, Chappelle, Trevor Noah, everybody in a great comedians. Comedy seller, New York City or Vegas, whatever you want. And uh, I have a show coming up producing. Uh, with Lou that we're going to have uh, Noam on soon. It's called The Wrong Take. Either he like it or not. Uh, Kansas, where people can follow you? Oh, me? Yeah. yeah. So you can go to um, Twitter is where I spend most of my time. And that's just at fall in Lovia. And then chattingwithcandice.com has all my Candace socials. What about TikTok? I couldn't find you in TikTok. I'm there, but like my TikToks are really stupid. Like they're just kind of like thirst have you traps TikTok? to get it's people all to stupid. go to OnlyFans. That's it. <laughs> I thought you will have like a lot of TikTok followers because you have like a lot of like fun like. It's like three hundred thousand, which I mean, yeah, I get that's that's a lot. I guess I don't know. It depends. It I, I yeah, but that one's um love you a long time. Okay. TikTok. So. But it's all just like it's stupid. I hate that I have to even make those TikToks. They're there. <laughs> so Twitter is is what what where you want people to follow you. I'll also put a link in the yeah. website. All right. Well, thank you so much. If you're ever in the uh, in the city, come visit us at Comedy Cellar. Come watch I'd the love show. To, yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh very nice to meet you. All right, guys. You thank well. you very much. Thank you. Peace, everybody. Fun chatting.